You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Corey Johnson and Kush Parikh. Be sure to check us out weekly on Tuesdays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with the podcast on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds on Instagram at the nosebleeds and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Face all your fears, drink it at me. It's so many donuts on them back streets. Sit so high in the nosebleeds. Feel like I can fly. Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds. It's your boy. You already know it's your boy, Kush. And I'm here with my co-host, as always, Mr. Corey Johnson. Corey, how are you doing on this Friday the 13th? She's just trying to avoid doing any of the the, the cra- avoid any of the craziness. Like not trying to step on the cracks, not trying to do anything crazy not trying to walk under any ladders or anything like that like just trying to make sure that i keep it simple today because uh, i'm not really a, a superstitious person but i do believe like like you know crazy does craziness does follow you if you don't uh if you're not uh, aware of where you're going or you know not mindful of your surroundings so like if you're not paying attention then you could have some really bad luck or you can have some unfortunate things happen to you I wouldn't say I'm superstitious, but I think I'm a little stitious, just a little <laughs> stitious, especially when it comes to sports, because, you know, I got to do whatever I got to do to make my team win. You know what I'm saying? I'm with you. I'm with you. Let's get started. We have not talked about the NFL in a minute, and NFL preseason has started, which means football season is right around the corner. So let's talk some news from around the league and give some of our opinions. Let's start off probably with the biggest headline of the offseason, which was Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers drama, which finally came to a halt after both sides have agreed to renegotiate the contract. The reigning MVP has had three years left on his four-year $134 million deal. But with the new terms, he will be making uh, $27.5 million in 2021, which is $9.7 million less than he originally would have made. And in 2022, he will be making $46.1 million and the base salary being $26.5 million. And with this renegotiation, he has avoided the 2023 contract, which means he could be a free agent after the 2022 season because he cannot be franchise tagged in this new contract. So I feel like these renegotiations has allowed Rodgers to void his uh, a year in his deal, which means he doesn't have to stay in Green Bay. I think it also allows Green Bay the opportunity to trade him next season with less of a cap hit to their salary cap. So what's your take on this whole Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay Packers soap opera, if I may, coming to a renegotiated contract? Not to shift gears or go to a different sport, but it, it kind of feels like a gentleman's agreement similar to Lionel Messi and uh, Barcelona. How, in a way, Messi said that they had an agreement of the fact that after after a couple seasons ago was over, then he had the opportunity to become a free agent and decide where he wanted to go. Um, it ended up being to where he played one more year with Barcelona this past season and ended up deciding that negotiations couldn't be formed, they couldn't meet a deal, and he ended up signing with PSG uh, just a few days ago. So I feel like the same thing could happen with Aaron Rodgers in the sense of maybe not they let him just walk in free agent, they let him just walk and become a free agent, but I think that they'll have a gentleman's agreement of play out these next couple seasons, we'll see where you're at, and then if you're still unhappy, if you still don't want to be here, then we'll go ahead and just trade you because – I, I think Green Bay realizes that he if, if they didn't get a wake up call to the effect of how he feels, then I think that they understand that if he if we cannot mend or repair the relationship, at least we can do is try to keep hold of such a huge asset in Rogers for the next couple of years. And then we still have a young, you know, up and coming uh, prospect uh, quarterback in, in, in the ranks. And, uh, and, and at the same time, I think that 
the good news for them is they don't they didn't have to get rid of him or trade him this offseason. The bad news is that you know Aaron Rodgers is probably going to leave at some point and not be a Green Bay Packer. The only thing is is that you control where he could potentially land and where he could potentially go and 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 that might not impact you. You might send him off to the AFC, you might send him off to a bad team or something like that. So, I think that the Packers went from being in desperation mode to now kind of a little bit seeming as if they're in the driver's seat of being able to somewhat dictate the terms of where Aaron Rodgers' future uh, lies ahead of him in these next couple of years. Yeah, I think both sides got what they wanted. Rodgers not contractually obligated to stay with the Green Bay Packers after this upcoming or after next year. And the Packers, they don't really have to worry about Rodgers holding out or even possibly there were rumors about him retiring. So they definitely don't have that waving over their head. And I think, but in my opinion, I think the Packers definitely won this side of the negotiation just because now they know how the rest of Aaron Rodgers' Green Bay timeline will look like. And now they have over about a year to set up the post-Aaron Rodgers era in Green Bay with Jordan Love and company. So I think the Packers definitely got uh, we're, we're beneficiaries from this contract negotiation, but I mean, obviously losing Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be tough because Rodgers, he's 37 years old and he's coming off an MVP season and arguably the best season he's had in his career. He went 13 and three last year, uh, almost 4,500 total yards, 51 touchdowns, uh, only five interceptions and 70.7% uh, completion which is absolutely insane at the age of 37 and that NFC championship appearance. So how do you think Rodgers will play in what could be his final year in green Bay? It's, it's tricky because um, I felt like he was definitely motivated to, to prove the doubters wrong and to, to, to get them to a Super Bowl last year. But after everything that's kind of happened with the offseason, I'm intrigued to see what his mentality is going into this season, to be honest. I mean, it wasn't just Rodgers who was threatening to want to get the hell out of Green Bay. It was also uh, his uh, favorite wide receiver that was trying to get up out of there. Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, exactly, who was trying to get up out of there, too. And because Rodgers, it, it wasn't just the fact that, like, he's a quarterback. He's the heart and soul of the team, arguably. And he has such a heavy impact in that locker room that – the locker room was torn straight down the middle as far as like how guys were feeling about him and feeling about this whole entire situation. Obviously you want to root for your guy. You want him to be in the right circumstances, but at the same time, you know, you still got to be under contract and play for the organization as well. So it's kind of, it's kind of a, a split decision right down the middle. And, and that's what I don't know if the Packers organization realized when they decided to, you know, announced this information or leaked that information on draft night that Aaron Rodgers wanted out and wanted to leave Green Bay. Or I don't I don't know what the plan was or if they wanted to box him in a corner and make him look like the bad guy and, and force him to almost, you know, relent, if you will, as far as like his uh, of saying his displeasure about how he's not happy with uh, the way things are. But I just think that Aaron Rodgers this year is going to do whatever it takes to still compete. He's still going to be Aaron Rodgers, I think. And it's not going to be like a drastic drop off unless he's just heavily content on just getting the heck up out of Green Bay. Like he just, I just don't see him having like a, a heavy drop off. I think he's still going to play the way he plays. I think he's still going to be putting his team in a good situation to be able to compete. And whoever it is on their roster, he's still going to help them be as good as they possibly can be and try to get. Green Bay to a Super Bowl but I think honestly like every year for them it's Super Bowl or bust and so I think that this year uh they're gonna hope to get back to that NFC championship game hopefully against it's the Bucks again and try to get some revenge and hopefully try to get to the Super Bowl yeah because you know Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have a little rivalry friendly rivalry I'll, I'll say that um so I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers could afford to take a season off of not caring or whatever. I think he's going to, cause he's, he's trying to chase Tom Brady cause everyone knows he's the goat. So we'll see what happens. But if you look at the Packers right now and their supporting cast around Rogers, it's pretty much the same, except they lost their all pro center in Corey Lindsley. Um, but they second round pick, they took a center. He still has Devonte Adams still has Aaron Jones. They brought back Randall Cobb, but that's, that's about it. So I think Aaron Rodgers definitely can put up, 
another MVP type of season uh, just because of you saw the weapons around him. Uh, like you said, motivation is going to be the biggest factor, but I, I think Aaron Rodgers is a professional to a point where he's not going to really worry about that motivation. Um, Cause I, the way he's been playing at the age of 37, he, if he gets traded, maybe after this season goes to another team, that team's going to want to already try to work an extension uh, with Aaron Rodgers to see, and Aaron Rodgers still has gas left in the tank. So he's definitely playing for another contract in my opinion. And if you're the team that's trading uh, and if you're the Packers, whatever you're, you're seeking to get for Aaron Rodgers, you know, that's bare minimum going to be like first round pick and m- maybe even a, a star player back. So they're not going to be going for pennies on the dollar at all for <laughs> trying to trade Aaron Rodgers, I believe, because, I think that you, if post Aaron Rodgers, it's it's similar to Bart Starr, it's similar to Brett Farr. It could be a very bleak time for Green Bay if they don't fully believe that Jordan Love is their guy and they don't fully have a plan set up to where, okay, you know, maybe we can't replace Aaron Rodgers, obviously, but maybe we can get a guy that can have the talent and we can have the confidence in that he could be our franchise quarterback going forward and give us somewhat similar success to what Aaron Rodgers did. And I think that's what you kind of have to hope for. But if the track record speaks for itself, it does not speak very well for the Packers organization as history says, like they might go through another like five years or so if they don't uh, feel confident that Aaron Rodgers is on the last on his last legs and Jordan Love is the future. I mean, things turned out well when Brett Favre, the torch got past Aaron Rodgers, so we'll see. But speaking of young quarterbacks, let's talk about the rookie quarterbacks coming into this season because we saw five quarterbacks taken in the first round of the NFL draft, all which have a chance of starting at some point of this upcoming season. We saw Trevor Lawrence taken first overall to the Jaguars. Zach Wilson was taken number two to the Jets. Trey Lance was taken number three to the Niners. Justin Fields was taken number 11 by the Bears. And Mac Jones was taken 15 to the Patriots. So out of these guys, which rookie quarterback do you think will have the most successful rookie season? Well, let me break it down like this way. I feel like um, Wilson and uh, Trevor Lawrence are going to be the two quarterbacks that we're assuming are going to play right out the get, like they're going to play the most. So if either of those two, you know, are going to have majority of the snaps, then I would say it's probably going to be between those two. Trey Lance, I'm not sure if he's going to start right out the gate. Justin Fields, I think, has a good shot as well to start, but it's still up in the air because they did, Chicago Bears did try to go after Andy Dalton. And then Mac Jones, that's still 50-50 with Cam Newton in the organization for New England. So I would say uh, I would look more towards Trevor Lawrence having the 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 best rookie season just because he's going to be start, a QB1 right out the gate. He's going to be a starter right out the gate. And unless he gets injured or unless he just has such a terrible, terrible, terrible uh, start to the season, then I think that he's got – ample opportunity to showcase his talents and showcase why he went number one. Yeah. I'm going to be basic and I'm going to say Trevor Lawrence as well too. I think the most important part of a rookie quarterback in their rookie season uh, in terms of their supporting cast is their offensive line. And I think the Jaguars have kind of an underrated offensive line. They're in a kind of tough division minus the Texans. Uh, but he's, like you said, he's most likely going to be starting week one, even though the Jaguars have said there's a quarterback battle between him and Gardner Minshew, <laughs> but I don't think they're taking Trevor Lawrence number one. If they think Gardner Minshew still <laughs> might be, you know, but, um, he, outside his offensive line, even look at his supporting cast, uh, in terms of his backfield and the pass catchers, you have DJ Charks, LaVisca Chanel, James Robinson, and then they brought in Travis Etienne, which they took with the 25th pick. They brought in Marvin Jones, Philip Dorsett. So I think Trevor Lawrence has the pieces around him, uh, to be successful. And I think he could possibly have a Justin Herbert type of rookie season and explode like that. Um, but I think it's all in terms of how much Urban Myers trusts him and how Urban Myers in general looks coming back to the NFL this upcoming season. Exactly. All right, let's talk about some 
teams in each conference that we thought had the best offseason and the worst offseason going into the preseason of the NFL 2021 season. So let's start off with the conference uh, or the teams in each conference with the best offseason so far. Corey, which one do you have for the uh, NFC? So for the NFC, I'm going to go with the – I'm going to be basic here. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, just the fact that they were able to re-sign pretty much all their key elements and all the key players that helped them win the Super Bowl last year was kind of remarkable in itself because when you look at the fact that most teams aren't really able to bring back half, if not majority, of their supporting cast or – majority of their star players after they go on a Super Bowl run because most of the guys after they win are trying to, you know, go ahead and catch a bag and go ahead and, you know, shop through free agency and see which team is willing to pay a heavy price tag for them. None of these guys really were all about that. They were trying to get back together. They were trying to, you know, formulate a way to where they can get back on the same team and play with one another because they know they got Tom Brady still in, you know, He's still playing at a high level. They still got a team around him that has so many different offensive weapons, so many different defensive weapons. So it's a great way to run it back because you trust Tom is still going to be Tom at the QB position. The defense is still going to be the defense. And barring any sort of injury issues, do you think that this team has got a real good chance of repeating? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be basic with you, too. I'm going to go with the Buccaneers, reigning Super Bowl champs, brought back literally everyone on both sides of the ball. I thought they would have at least lost one or two of their big names when you talk about Shaq Barrett, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Levante David. Instead, they end up bringing back all of them. Still, to this day, I don't know how they did it, but they did it. And it's crazy because if you look at last season, they're running this uh, to win a Super Bowl it was there was nothing fluky about it it was just pure <laughs> talent like we've seen teams that kind of get lucky with in terms of the opponent's injuries we see it in multiple sports but i mean you look at they beat washington fair and square they beat the saints fair and square beat the packers fair and square i, I mean maybe if the packers had some better play calling <laughs> but and then they beat the chiefs which you could say patrick mahomes was injured a little bit but, but that I whole mean, line gave him no protection so. that's what i'm saying and they beat him pretty fair and square 31 to 9 so definitely not a fluky uh, Super Bowl run. So I think the fact that they literally are bringing back the same exact team with a year of experience with one another under the belt. I mean, this team's scary in the NFC, and I think they had the best offseason in the NFC. Moving to the AFC, the team I went with with the best offseason, I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns. This team had was very successful on the offensive end last season. And plus you add Odell Beckham Jr. who they're getting back this season. Uh, they're getting even better. But I think the reason why I have them as the best off season or best team in the AFC with uh, this off season is because of what they did on the defensive end of things. They did not have a good defense last year and they were still going head to head toe to toe with the chiefs in the playoffs last year. But you look at what they did. They got solid slot corners in Troy Hill, and then they spent their first-round pick on Greg Newsom, bolstered up their safeties with John Johnson, who, like I've said many of times, is probably the most underrated signing of the offseason. Ronnie Harrison, they're getting Grant Delpit back from injury. They got a steal, in my opinion, in Jeremiah Wosukoromoa in the draft. And then they pair up Miles Garrett with former number one overall pick Jadavion Clowney. So this defense is very, very scary. Add it to the offensive firepower that they had. And I think their days of being the laughing stock of the league are now over. And I think it's a new era in Cleveland. And they're going to be making some noise this season, which I hate to see personally because I'm a Ravens fan. And they're in my division. <laughs> so, but I mean, kudos to the Browns because I think they did a hell of a job this offseason getting or pointing out their needs this offseason and going out and getting those needs for this team to try to contend for a Super Bowl. Oh, and then on top of that, I forgot to mention, um, they extended Nick Chubb to a three-year, $36 million deal. <laughs> so, I mean, they got their workhorse back on a three-year deal. A little pricey, but, I mean, that it, to get a running back like Nick Chubb, that's that's how much it's going to cost. So, that's I got to go with the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, Browns is definitely looking good. Um, but I, I feel like the team that really had one thing that they needed to fix and go out and they needed to fix that. 
And that was uh, the Kansas City Chiefs with their offensive line. They definitely went out and did that. Making the trade for uh, Orlando Brown was a big addition for them this offseason. Sorry, Kush. They had to go ahead and rage your Ravens. But <laughs> but no, nah, I feel like the Chiefs knew exactly what the problem is and what prevented them from going back to back. And that was the fact that they just didn't have O-line help. They also getting some guys back from uh, opting out as well. Um, I think that the biggest thing for them this season is how do you bounce back from a Super Bowl loss? Because you lost the last game of the season. That, that was it. There was no more games. There was nothing after that. It was like you lost the last game of the season on the biggest of stage. Everybody saw it. Everybody remembers it. And it's kind of just like, dang, like how do you come back this year after having so much success a couple of seasons ago? So I think it was a little bit of humble pie for Kansas City. Everybody was talking about Dynasty this, Mahomes the greatest of all time, this and that. And I think that when you look at that, I'm hoping that we get a hungry Kansas City Chiefs team that's looking to get back to the Super Bowl for a third straight season. And I think that would be just insane if under the back of uh, uh, behind the back of this old line, they were able to get it done because we all know if you don't have a great old line, you are going to struggle to be successful in the NFL because you need protection for your quarterback. You need protection for your uh, your running back. So that way he can have holes created for him so he can break out. And I think that when you got the weapons that the Chiefs already have offensively and you add on to what they uh, to what they already have and with that offensive line, that's going to make them a stronger team. And that's going to just put them a notch ahead, I think, of the Browns. Only thing that kind of worries me is obviously injuries and maybe defensively. But who knows? Maybe they might try to make a midseason acquisition, make make a midseason trade. Stephon Gilmore's out there. They might be linked with trying to get him in the door. So the, it, it'll be interesting to see what the Chiefs do this year because we all know, like from now on, with Patrick Mahomes under contract, every year is Super Bowl or bust for them. Absolutely. Well, training camp is not off to a good start because uh, Laurent Duvernay Tardif apparently broke his hand and is going to be out four to six weeks. So the guy who opted out last year coming back uh, health concerns for the offensive line is already a big issue, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. I could see the chiefs. Definitely. They, they got what they needed uh, in the super bowl, which was offensive line protection. And they definitely went out and spent uh, draft capital and more on that. Moving on to the team uh, in each conference with the worst offseason in our opinion, Let's start off with the NFC. Corey, who is your NFC team? I'm going to say the Green Bay Packers. And I know everybody might be saying, well, they just got, you know, Aaron Rodgers signed under a deal and they re-signed uh, uh, Aaron Jones. And, you know, they're bringing the band back together. Like, you know, how could everything be bad? I'm like, look at the t- the, the turmoil that took place throughout this entire offseason with the whole Aaron Rodgers saga. Will he stay? Will he go? And then on the top of that, they really didn't do anything as far as upgrading the team, the team kind of stayed stagnant. And we all know staying stagnant is just as, if not even possibly worse than getting bad, because at least when you get bad, you have the optimism of, you know, we'll at least be getting gunning for a top draft pick or something like that. So to say that this team that has Aaron Rodgers still under contract, that has Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, that has such a dynamic offense that the green Bay Packers has. And, was one win away from going to the Super Bowl and potentially making a serious run. And who knows if things maybe bounce their way with the whole, you know, my home injury, who's to say that Green Bay isn't the one lifting the Lombardi last year. So I think that the Packers, when they really needed to be aggressive this offseason, didn't do anything. And meanwhile, you look across the way at Tampa Bay, they were able to re-sign everybody. And that should make everybody kind of question and make them look at Green Bay and wonder, what are you doing? And especially with potentially Aaron Rodgers maybe leaving in the cup in next season or, you know, whatever, as soon as can be, uh, I think that Green Bay just fumbled here and they really had the opportune time to really go out and give Aaron Rodgers some serious heavy-duty weapons and even spend like a number, a, a, a first-round pick on getting an actual wide receiver, but it just, it just didn't pan out for them. And again, they stay they're They're, you know, a franchise that has history, has history behind them. They're, you know, they've won numerous amounts of Super Bowls and championships. They have so many historic players in their resume. 
But for some reason, when it comes to being aggressive all season wise, they're kind of like the San Antonio Spurs. You just don't see them splashing a whole lot of cash. You don't see them, you know, spending uh, draft picks on top uh, players or anything like that. So I, I just I kind of feel for Aaron Rodgers at this point. But at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. And so he's just got to roll the ball back out there and get back on the gridiron and see if he can get the job done. Yeah, they like that homegrown talent mentality. Um, I'm just going to laugh my ass off when Aaron Rodgers is finally traded and Jordan Love and they finally sp- spend a first-round pick on a wide receiver for exactly. Jordan Love. I, you feel like that's going to happen, right? Yeah, you oh, feel yeah. like that's going to happen. Oh, yeah. I, I won't be surprised because it's going to be a big F you to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> but uh, the team I'm going to go with for the worst offseason in the NFC has got to be the Seattle Seahawks. By all means, I'm not saying the Seahawks are a bad team, but – when you're in the arguably the toughest division in the NFL and every other team in the division got better, and if anything, you got worse, <laughs> you were the reason why uh, why why they're in contention for the worst uh, team in the offseason. The only, only good thing that I think came out of this team this offseason was the Seahawks trading for Gabe Jackson, the mm. offensive lineman from the Raiders. But definitely – they got the worst on defense offensively. They didn't really do anything besides Gabe Jackson to help out Russell Wilson. So offensively, let's start there. There are rumors about Russell Wilson being on the trading block and it went as far as Russell Wilson giving a list of teams that he would be traded or waiving his no trade clause too. So it got that deep into it. And then you put together a subpar offensive line yet again which honestly credit to russell wilson and his patience for dealing with this offensive line but i will give him credit that they have great wide receivers and a solid running back so i'll give him that defensively they lost shaquille griffin who's a top cornerback in the league lost jaron reed who is their starting defense tackle and did not get suitable replacements in my opinion for these two key pieces that they lost and in general They only had three draft picks this year, a second, a fourth, and a sixth. And none of the picks that they really made with those blew me away, but only time will tell. So I'm I'm kind of like on the fence about their draft picks. But like I said, this team is not bad when you look at it on paper, but what made them have had a bad off season was the fact that their entire division got better. You look at Arizona Cardinals, they got AJ Green, Rodney Hudson, Rondell Moore, J.J. Watt, James Conner, like they got better across the board. San Francisco, they got Trent Williams, Alex Mack, Trey Lance, uh, getting George Kittle and Nick Bosa back from injury this year. And then you look at the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, they they got a competent quarterback. That's all I need to say is they got better at the quarterback <laughs> position. So that's why I'm going to say that the the Seahawks had a bad offseason, probably the worst offseason, just because you look at a team with the ability to contend year in and year out, but they got knocked out of the playoffs last year in the wild card to the Rams. And what do they do? They don't get any better. If anything, in my opinion, they get worse in the offseason. So they're still in that kind of playoff contention kind of uh, uh, tier right now. But I mean, with Russell Wilson as your quarterback, you got to it, it's contend. It's winner bust for the Seahawks. So I'm going to chalk this offseason up as an L for them. Moving on to the AFC. Some of our listeners are not going to be happy with this one, but I'm going to say the Raiders. I, I could have gone the easy route and said the Texans just because I feel like that's <laughs> the most obvious one. Of course. Uh, but I, I felt like I went the easy route with the Trevor Lawrence pick and with the Buccaneers. So I'm going to, I'm going to change things up and I'm going to say the Raiders. And in my opinion, I think the Raiders lack identity. They mm. aren't good enough to make playoffs, but they aren't terrible to end up with a top 10 draft pick in the upcoming, um, upcoming draft. And I feel like they're hesitant to press the rebuild button, but they're making moves that, makes it seem like they want to rebuild but then they're also (laughs) making moves that makes them seem like they want to compete for a playoff spot so this this team lacks identity a lot on the offensive and uh they traded away two of their top offensive linemen in rodney hudson and gabe jackson and then in my opinion in the draft first round they kind of reach for alex leatherwood when they had better Ooh. options available and seems like they do that a lot in the draft yeah. they make a reach well i'm, I'm gonna get into that as well too <laughs> but alex leatherwood i mean he's not a bad pick but i felt no. like 
there was better options and other positions of need for this team. And then you look at their wide receivers. They lost their best receiver, Nelson Aguilar, but they do have some promising young wide receivers if they could stay healthy. They get a solid backup in Kenyon Drake uh, in the running back position, but then they still have Derek Carr as their quarterback, so who is very average, maybe above average, you can say. No, I would say average. I'm not going to give him above average. He's, he's very average. He's not going to lose you games, but he's not going to be a game changer and win you games. Now, looking at the defensive side of things, one of their best young pieces on the defensive end in Maurice Hurst, they just waved him. And then they go out and they sign Yannick Ngakwe, who they got on a team-friendly contract, so I will give him that. And then to your point of their draft picks not panning out that well, Cleveland Farrell has yet to play to his fourth overall pick potential when they had Devin White right there, and we saw what Devin White does for a team. I think that's going to haunt them for a very long time, just like with the Jamarcus Russell uh, and what was it? I think it was uh, Calvin, Calvin Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, yep, Calvin Johnson. So, I mean, they, they just have tough, tough luck in the draft. Um, and then, in my opinion, I think they have one of the worst linebacking cores in the NFL. And they did nothing to help that. They drafted a bunch of safeties. I like the Morig uh, pick, but other than that, it was kind of a head scratcher. And in my opinion, this pass coverage for this defensive team is not going to be good, especially in a division that has Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. I, I think this might be one of the worst defenses in the AFC and their offense doesn't have enough firepower to carry this team against top teams in the AFC. But they aren't terribly bad, like I said, that they'll end up with a top pick in the draft. So it'll be another average, mediocre upcoming season for the Raiders. And that's why I, don't, I think they had one of the worst off seasons. Corey, what about you? What was your AFC team? Well, I am going to be basic and I'm going to say the Texans because <laughs> which I, are not I, I wrong. Mean, I mean, not, nah, but I mean, I look at what happened with the Raiders and like you said, no identity, zero identity whatsoever. Um but it's crazy how they're still not in a worse state than the Texans because at least they somewhat are in a spot where they can compete. The Texans have no idea where they're at. They First of all, they hired a 65-year-old head coach in David Culley who had never been a coordinator and had only been like a coordinator for, uh, I think, way back in like the 90s when he was with UTEP. And then uh, I think use- I think the Texans for signing David Culley. And they took, they used... took him from the worst passing team in the NFL and made him their head coach. Sorry, continue. Hey, hey it, it, it goes that way. And then they used their only top 80 pick on a mid-level quarterback prospect in Davis Mills. But I mean, overall, they didn't really have any draft capital to really utilize. And we'll, I'll mention that in a second. But honestly, the only thing that I did like was the fact that they got Philip Lindsay. And Philip Lindsay has been balling out these past couple of years. If you've uh, been tracking him in fantasy you already know the dude's been putting up some serious heavy uh numbers and so uh, i think that's pretty much their only positive move but with all the allegations surrounding deshaun watson and plus him deciding that he wants to be traded as well didn't help the situation you lost jj watt as well and with all these ex-players now coming out and saying that the houston texans are the worst organization in the league and that they don't know how to take care of their star players. They don't know how to develop. They don't know how to do this. They don't know how to do that. And then you just tack on the fact that, man, Bill O'Brien really screwed this organization when he was with them. And he did not set them up to be in a good position because they couldn't technically really rebuild last year as far as, you know, just tank because they didn't have their, they didn't have their first pick. And then, they really can't even rebuild this year because they they're still in in limbo. So they might not officially start their rebuild till 2022. So that's kind of that is really really bleak to begin with. And I mean, if you're a Houston sports fan, you're not even paying attention to the Texans at this point. It's all about the Rockets, and at least the Rockets have something to give you Astros some too. sort of joy. And the Astros, too. It's all about, you know, not even paying attention to football if you're a Houston sports fan at this point because the Texans are not doing anything that gives you any sort of hope that they're positioning themselves in a right position as a franchise. And it's crazy, man, how just a few years ago the Texans were in the playoffs and they were, you know, maybe a few pieces away from being a serious contender and all that type of jazz. But 
man, now they just become an abysmal, abysmal franchise and an abysmal team. And it's looking like they're on the trajectory to start that rebuilding process the minute they trade Deshaun Watson. Absolutely. I think it's absolute dumpster fire over there. And if Deshaun Watson doesn't play this season, which I'm expecting him not to, I could see this team going 0-17. The first 0-17 ever (laughs) in NFL history. All right, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's move on to the NBA, update you guys with some NBA free agents that have signed because we have some notable ones that did sign. Start off with the Boston Celtics. They got Ennis Cantor on a one-year deal. He's going back to Boston. Corey, thoughts? Uh, I mean, Ennis Cantor, he's he's not – to me, he's not really like a center, but he's also not like a good power forward either. He's He's just – He's just a guy that, like, is a hustler. He just hustles really hard. He plays really hard. And I think Boston, in a town and in a city where they appreciate hard work and they love guys who play like that, it's not surprising that they brought him back. The Celtics also brought in Dennis Schroeder on a one-year $5.9 million deal, signing the mid-level exception, going from turning down $84 million over four years to signing for the mid-level exceptions. Normally you see that happen with like players that have gotten injured or like major injuries, like uh, think about Isaiah Thomas who turned down the bag and then got injured with his hip. But Dennis Schroeder, that's not the case here. He just bet on himself and boy, was he wrong? Yeah. I think he thought he was deserving of a hundred million. And look, if somebody would have went out and spent a hundred million to get Dennis Schroeder, I would have been like, wow. I don't know. Either you must have real good confidence in him or you just got sold a dream, my man. <laughs> he, needs, uh, he needs Chandler Parsons uh, yes. agent if that's yes, what he, he wants. Does. Yes, he does. But hey, I mean, I have no problem with it. I mean, everybody's obviously cracking jokes and obviously on his head about it and obviously making fun of him for it. But at the end of the day, you got to bet on yourself and you got to feel like if you don't feel like your, uh, an organization or a company is meeting your work, then go out and try to see if you can, you know, find that on the market. Unfortunately for him, he couldn't find that. But who's to say that, you know, he doesn't have a, a, a good, you know, crazy season or something like that. He can't get right back in that 80 something million dollar range. So I, again, like for everybody who's cracking jokes and shooting on Dennis Schroeder, <clears throat> Laker fans, calm it down, focus on your own team, leave that man alone. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually I'm surprised that he didn't even at least get a sign in trade and, you know, try to make more money in that way. But honestly, I, I think for Celtics, this is the absolute steal. They get you know a, why he signed for the Celtics, right? He oh, signed yeah. for the Celtics so he could <laughs> go to the Lakers rival so he could try to see if he could ball out with them. Absolutely. I think that's the only reason I feel like he was to Boston because he was like, yo, I, I got to get back at the Lakers. I'm going to go to their rivals. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, moving to the Charlotte Hornets, a little bigger deal. Uh, Kelly Oubre, two years, $26 million. This was quite a surprising one for me. I didn't I didn't think Kelly Oubre would try to go to the Hornets, but a good signing. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a, a good guy who I think you could bring off the bench, to be honest with you, and maybe can give you a little bit of a spark. I don't think he kind of was underwhelming for me, like very underwhelming for me when he was at Golden State. I was expecting a lot of things from him and I was expecting him to play a lot better and he just didn't live up to that expectation at all and so I'm hoping that going to Charlotte and being on a team that is going to have playoff aspirations again similar to Golden State I think he'll be able to try to flourish while he's back in the Eastern Conference because there's you know while the East is getting better yes there are still a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference that you can still you know drop 20 on so I think that Kelly Oubre coming off the bench or whether it's a starting role whatever he's able to get is going to be able to get back into the good graces of the NBA I think and then moving on to the Golden State Warriors they re-signed their 2015 finals MVP Andre Iguodala (laughs) on a veteran minimum uh what are your thoughts I mean they probably were uh Thinking like, man, I mean, I know we got Curry. I know we got Clay. Run if we want somebody, if we want somebody to hit that last game winning shot for us, we want Iguadala on the team, baby. Yeah. <laughs> fate of the universe, fate of the universe on the line. Bailey's got the death Igu- beam. Yeah, I want Iguadala on my team, baby. Oh, no, nah, but in all seriousness, they, you know, familiar face in a familiar space they try to get you know Iguodala I think he's going to be a good better presence for some of those young guys I think that's one of the reasons they probably brought him back is because he needs to be 
I don't want to say a Udonis Haslam type uh, player, but he needs to be somewhat of a guy who can help some of these young guys. Damn, the disrespect. No, I don't want to say. I don't want to say. I don't want to say UD, but I'm just saying. He's up there, bro. He's not the same spring young chicken that was over in Philly that was dunking on fools. I think that Iguodala at this point needs to be a, a good mentor in the locker room to Wiseman and Kaminga uh, and Moody. So I think th- those guys who have been tearing it up in Summer League, by the way, could definitely use Andre Iguodala to help shape them along so that way they could be that next generation of Warriors to help this team get back in serious playoff contention and not only that, championship contention. I actually see a Good amount of similarities in Andre Iguodala and Jonathan Kaminga because yeah. a lot of people forget Andre Iguodala was a dog in Philadelphia and even on the uh, Nuggets too. He was on the Nuggets for a bit, right? He had a little yeah. stint there. Yeah. So, yeah, this Golden State Warriors team on paper, not looking too bad if everyone can stay healthy. Like, you look at their guys like Curry, Clay, Wiggins, and they got Otto Porter, Draymond. Then their rookies you had to it, James Wiseman. So, I mean – they could make some noise. I feel like they're not getting talked about enough. Moving on, we got the Los Angeles Clippers. Their big, big signing of Kawhi Leonard re-signed a four-year, $176 million contract, $44 uh, per year. And then Reggie Jackson, two years, $22 million. And then they went out and signed Justice Winslow to a two-year deal. Kawhi, he surprised me with this one. Me too. I'm not going to lie. I thought he would have definitely done the one and one and we would have been having the same saga over again next off season. So from a Clippers standpoint or Clippers fan standpoint, it's a huge relief that he signed for four years. We don't have to deal with this for another three years uh, of off season drama. Um, Reggie Jackson getting him for $11 million a year was, I think is an absolute steal seeing what he did in the off season. And then justice Winslow kind of a nice playmaking defending guard or wing guard wing, you could say, uh, you know, to go with this team. What are your thoughts on the Clippers moves? I mean, like you said, Kawhi kind of surprised me because I thought, like you said, he was going to do a one-on-one deal. I didn't think that he was going to sign such a long-term deal, but maybe what he's thinking is, is why I don't want to go anywhere else. I want to be in LA. And I think that's what was kind of hinting what I was hinting at the last time we spoke about Kawhi. And I was saying like, what, I don't really see him going anywhere else or wanting to be anywhere else, but home in LA is home for him. So if he's not going to the crosstown rivals in the Lakers, then I think he's going to stay right here with the Clippers. So, and then Reggie Jackson really honestly was a star blossoming before our very eyes. Mr. Bobby Schmurter himself went ahead and just did stuff that I didn't think he had in his bag, but boy, did he fool me. And so I think he could have honestly tried to have gone that $80 million contract that Dennis Schroeder was looking for. I was thinking that a team would try to throw that at him, but I don't know what the market was looking like for him, but maybe he just wanted to run it back because people forget the Clippers were that close to getting to the NBA finals, bro. And if they had maybe a healthy Kawhi, maybe they would have gotten there. So uh, the biggest thing for them is just getting healthy, obviously, but they added to their, their depth wise, they pretty much still had the same similar, you know, base group of star players that they had with Reggie Jackson, Ibaka, Kawhi, PG, And I think that that's good enough for them to still be in the conversation to compete for a chip. And it's just going to be a matter of can they all stay healthy and all be able to play together throughout the entire course of a long 80 game season. Yeah, I I think this is still definitely a playoff team, even without Kawhi Leonard. And I feel like they can make noise like you saw what they did last season without Without Kawhi Kawhi, in the play. So and then if they get Ibaka back, who's coming off of back surgery, I think it's great. And I also forgot to mention that Kawhi Leonard is deal. His fourth year is a player option. So they uh, he signed that deal to line it up with Paul George's uh, contract extension that he got last year. Um, But it's just for Reggie Jackson, like I I will give you guys ammunition against me. If you can go back a year ago and look at the tweets I was sending when you re-signed (laughs) Reggie Jackson to a one-year veteran minimum deal, I was like, I love the contract in terms of price-wise, but God, I cannot stand Reggie Jackson. He is just a liability. And boy, am I eating those words real quick. And I was begging for the Clippers to re-sign him this year. (laughs) So it's crazy how much a year uh, changes things. Yeah, man got out that bubble and started playing like he was supposed to be playing. Yeah. Moving on, we got the Milwaukee Bucks signing George Hill uh, to a two-year, $8 million contract after George Hill's buyout. Uh, Big, I think, big 
thing for the Milwaukee Bucks getting a veteran guard in uh, George Hill coming back. Um, and he's familiar with the Bucks. He was on their team two years ago, I believe. Yeah. So yeah, solid, solid uh, piece for it, the Bucks, in my opinion, on a cheap deal. And then we got the New Orleans Pelicans. They're signed Willie Hernan Gomez to a three-year deal, just getting familiar face back, a guy who can spread the floor, uh, a, a decent big man who can play the big and spread the floor, basically, for the Pelicans. Yeah, do you feel like – I feel like the Pelicans are just getting worse and worse with all the players that they're adding into their 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 team. And it's kind of like – I'm just wondering, when are they going to, like, actually get some player in there that can help? zion be able to take it to the next level because we still have not seen zion in the playoffs yet and i'm wondering if this goes another couple years without him making it into the postseason people are going to start clamoring for him to start requesting a trade out of new orleans well i would definitely say that they definitely got better this year in terms of player fit they got Jonas valanciunas who guy who can spread the floor and you know bang down low and you don't have to worry about zion having to you know really bang down low with the big men and then they get they they uh trade away eric bledsoe as well too a guy who was a liability space on the floor for them so i think that definitely helps and opens up the paint for guys like brandon ingram and on or and uh excuse me uh zion williamson my biggest head scratcher was i think they made the right move firing stan van gundy but then you hire willie green it's a little, <laughs> little confusing i think they definitely need a savvy head coach who has experience in the league who can mentor these young guys at the same time uh light a fire under their you know what to you know try to compete in for a playoff spot moving on to the new york knicks i love how we last episode at the end of the episode we were talking about kemba walker possibly like him not staying with the thunder (laughs) and then i think literally like a few hours after he released the episode (laughs) Kemba Walker buyout from the Thunder is signs with the New York Knicks. I was like, what, what timing is this? Like, unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, the Kemba Walker is uh, with the New York Knicks, and then uh, they re-upped Julius Randle, four years, $117 million contract. Thoughts? I mean, Kim, Killer Kemba coming back to the garden. I mean, I don't know how many times I was scrolling through social media and I kept seeing the, the, the crossover. Yeah, Cardiac Kemba crossover when uh, – yeah, UConn in the uh, championship game for the Big East way back when in the good old days. But, man, dude, uh, that's going to be fun to see Kemba back in, in in the garden and just see him go crazy because I think he's going to be an energizer that the Knicks really need, especially offensively. They really kind of went missing at times in the playoffs against the, the Hawks. And Kemba is a guy who can get you some instant offense instantly and, and, and real quick. So I feel like if they kind of get into a spot where they're going through like a drought of nobody's hitting shots, Kemba can just all of a sudden maybe bail them out and kind of give them some instant offense. But the only thing is, can he stay healthy in the entire season? That's going to be the key thing for me. And Julius Randle, shout out to Julius Randle, man. Play with that dude when we was eight, nine years old, and now he's over here getting a hundred and something million dollar contract. Yo, bro, that's, that's amazing, bro. To be able to see a dude get that type of bag who went from being uh, top draft pick in the NBA, had that bad injury, unfortunately, kind of went to being a little bit of a role player and then, you know, went to the Pelicans, still was a role player, kind of, you know, everybody was was saying that he was comparing him to Zion Williamson in a, in a way saying that, like, you know, as far as, you know, Zion's low ceiling wise, he could be similar to Julius Randle. And I feel like Julius Randle has kind of reshaped his career going to the New York Knicks. And he's become an all-star. He's gotten to be be beloved by Knicks fans. He helped them get back to the playoffs last year. And I think the sky's the limit for this man. The only thing I'm worried about is now he's got his money. Now he's got, you know, the contract. Is he going to get complacent? Is he kind of just going to fall back and be like, oh, well, I got my money. I'm cool now. So I'm just hoping that this continues to motivate him to push forward, want to have that success, want to go after more success, and try to get the Knicks to be back in where the Knicks should be, which is not just the playoffs, but going deep into the playoffs. I think the fact that he's a New York Knicks, the fans will remind him that shit ain't sweet. So then they're not <laughs> complacent. So he better True. get his ass back in the gym. And I've been watching a lot of workout videos of him this off season. And I love the fact that he's 
taking a lot of shots off the dribble from three. So, I mean, that's huge for a guy like Julius Randle. But then again, it is off-season videos. You know how that goes. Oh. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, I Ben just... Simmons looks like a, looks like a three-point guy <laughs> in off-season. Workouts. I know. He made, what, two or three in a row, and then the video cut off? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I love how the Knicks were like, we literally, literally when we were talking about him last episode, we're talking about how Evan Fournier, that – quote-unquote big signing of theirs was to help out on the offensive end a team that was tragic on the offensive end but was one of the best defensive teams so i don't know if our place is wired because literally after that know. episode they go out and get kemba walker tibbs is, is definitely listening in i know that for sure he's definitely listening so it's gonna be fun to now see that they have spent money on the offensive end of things and they still have their defensive hounds on the team as well too so and plus they got some nice uh rookies jericho sims looking nice in summer league obi Toppin looking nice in summer league so knicks knicks fans maybe rejoice i will give them that orlando magic they bring in mo wagner so they got both the wagner brothers in orlando (laughs) then they bring in robin lopez uh, on a one-year deal both of those guys on a one-year probably veteran minimum deal and then the philadelphia 76ers going out and grabbing danny green two years 20 million dollars shout out to danny green still getting the bag at this age and proving that he is a vital role on playoff teams you know some teams may not appreciate that i'm not going to say any teams but you know the the sixers do appreciate that hey and you know what's crazy is that like isn't it wild that things kind of like went south when he got injured and he wasn't there for the Sixers? Oh, yeah. I'm like, bro, like Danny Green was the key all along. We were talking about Embiid, Simmons, Harris. No, it's Danny Green is the glue that keeps this team Once together. Danny Green went out, Trey Young was having, was licking his chops. He was just tearing them up, bro. And everything just went downhill from there. So I'm like, bro, they were like, yo, we got to get Danny Green back because he's literally going to keep us signing. afloat. Absolutely. Big signing, big signing, huge underrated signing. Moving on to the Phoenix Suns, they brought in some point guard depth and got Alfred Payton for on a one-year deal. And then Toronto bringing back Kim Birch, three years, $20 million deal. Um, I'm happy for Kim Birch coming from Orlando, guy who I think he went undrafted and then he was a veteran minimum type of guy. Didn't really get any minutes and then finally got minutes, uh, you know, when uh, Vucevic got traded and then when uh, and then Kim Birch got traded to the Raptors and really got a showcase what kind of player he's all about because the Raptors needed a big man. And I think Kim Birch is a perfect, perfect fit for them. Um, so shout out to him to, for, for getting a three-year, $20 million deal. And then last but not least, Washington Wizards get Spencer Dinwiddie. We kind of foreshadowed this in our last episode saying that they were in talks with the, uh, about a trade, but then Spencer Dinwiddie did end up doing a sign-in trade, three years, $62 million deal for the Wizards. Wizards got a lot of solid role players and then Bradley Beal. So... <laughs> <laughs> Take it how you will, but like the Raiders, missing identity. Don't know what the hell they're doing. Uh, we've we've begged the Wizards to press the rebuild button on this show over here, but, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. Let's talk about some top remaining free agents uh, before we wrap this episode up. We got Laurie Markkinen, Paul Millsap, Josh Hart, and J.J. Redick. Let's talk about each of them. Laurie Markkinen, he is a restricted free agent, which means the Bulls can match any offer that he gets. But honestly, in my opinion, I don't think they match any offers that he gets. I feel like he's going to go to a non-competitive team that will try to give him a good amount of money, and he doesn't really care about winning right now. He's trying to boost his stock because – in Arizona, this guy was a dog. And even his rookie year, and you could even say first two years in the league, he looked very promising as a player. So I think he's going to try to bet on himself for, you know, maybe a year or two years, um, you know, try to get that stock up and then try to get a bag after in like maybe two off seasons. So a couple teams that I personally think he could fit well with is the San Antonio Spurs. I think they mm. were in talks about or talk with him, but, I think reports have kind of fallen through. So I don't think it's not likely he's going to sign with the Spurs anymore. If not, maybe the Dallas Mavericks. I think mm. he and Luca would be great. Um, the Timberwolves. Timberwolves have not made a single move this offseason. And I think him next to Carl Anthony Towns would be nice. Or a team like OKC Thunder would be a good team uh, as well, too. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Fish. I feel like a lot of those teams are kind of good fits to him, especially that Dallas Mavericks team. I mean, 
you know, we know how much they need shooters. Know, they need shooters, and we know how much they love getting the the European guys. So I think like that would be really good because it, I think it would kind of take a little bit of pressure off of both Hardaway and Luca because those pretty much have been the one-two punch for Dallas Mavericks, and then it's pretty much just been everybody else. So maybe bringing a Lori Market in to kind of like help relieve some of that pressure off them. Only thing is, is that maybe that like the fire to... under Porzingis too. Exactly, and because he kind of has been not he has not kind of he has not been the same player obviously since his injury but like you said maybe that does light a fire under him maybe that forces him to have to you know go out of his comfort zone yeah Yeah. so because his starting role is i think up for grabs to be honest he's he's one of the starters that i think is not a legitimate starter as far as their rotation and could easily be replaced by somebody who is just showing any but anywhere near his value or anywhere near his production level. So I think Laurie Markkinen is in the driver's seat because um, I feel like even if the Bulls do match whatever offer he gets and he stay has to stay with them, they will probably trade him. So because I, I don't feel like him and Kobe White are in weird situations where they're on a team that really doesn't need them. <laughs> and they're on a team I feel, that I feel has, like Kobe White's a little better situation. Than, than him i feel like he he's got moved to the bench role which sucks for kobe white but i think he's definitely they're gonna look to him to be that spencer dinwiddie off the bench you know what i'm saying yeah 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 i think yeah like you said he's in a better situation but i would say that he's man that pecking order for their point guard situation lonzo ball Caruso. ao caruso i'm like bro like they 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 really got a lot of point guards on this team now so it's it's gonna be tough for anybody to get minutes let alone just uh kobe white but marketing i feel like is definitely expendable and they'll be looking to trade them if they have to retain his services but like you said dallas if you listen go ahead and try to make a move for Lori marketing because i feel like that would be helpful because if you're tired as a team and i know lucas already tired of this if you're tired as a team going out in the first round, then you definitely need to do something to help you because the West is not just, it's not, the West is only just going to get better. It's not going to get worse. So you got to still maintain. I completely forgot to mention that Luca and the Mavericks also signed a five-year $207 million deal. I, I don't think we talked about that last episode. It happened after, but I completely forgot to mention that. Um, so yeah, that happened as well too. So big, they got their guy, Mark Cuban, I think is absolutely in love with Luka Doncic and rightfully so the guys a, a generational talent. So yeah, we'll see what happens with Larry marketing. If he goes to the Mavericks, I really like the fit personally. Uh, we'll see. Uh, another big man that we could, that is a free agent currently. He is unrestricted uh, is Paul Millsap, a savvy two-way veteran who can give you valuable minutes uh, and he's had ample playoff experience. So I think he signs for the mid-level exception or even maybe the veteran minimum if he wants to contend in some teams uh, that could give him the veteran minimum or mid-level exception. Uh, I think the Brooklyn Nets mm-hmm. would be a good fit. The Bulls possibly a good, a good fit after losing Thaddeus Young. Um, and then the Mavericks again, I think he'd be a good fit for them. The Warriors, possibly, uh, and the Sixers. I think those are all teams that would be good fits for him. It's kind of crazy that we think about it. And he, like, some people, I, I saw like an argument about it. Like, somebody posted like uh, a player A versus player B, and uh, Millsap's numbers are surprisingly like, if you just think about Paul's Millsap, you just say his name. A lot of NBA fans probably be like, oh, Paul Millsap, like, you know, like he's not the same guy he was years ago, but he's still putting up solid, good numbers. Like, he's a good, solid role player. And the fact that the Nuggets kind of let him walk for nothing is kind of like, wow, like, kind of mind boggling a little bit. But I understand in the sense that maybe they just didn't feel like they wanted to pay him and they didn't want to have to you know give him any money but i think even if they got him for a veteran minimum though that power forward kind of room was just bit like it was already cramped because you look at they have aaron gordon still jamichael green and then they went out and got jeff green too so i mean i would there's no real fit for paul Millsap in my opinion and then i think they kind of want to ease bull bull into the rotation as well too so yeah that that's my opinion on him with the nuggets but continue but yeah i think like you said the uh the nets are definitely going to be in the mix because i think that depend and i think it also depends on what paul Millsap wants and what he's looking for if he's looking for you know a lot of money then he's probably going to go to a team that's not 
you know, going to be contending. But if he's looking for to be on a contender, then he knows he's already going to have to take that veteran minimum. And I think that's good for him because I believe he hasn't won a championship. So, I mean, like, you know, I, but I don't know what his, his state of, you know, mind is as far as like what he wants to do. But if he wants to compete and be on a, a championship winning team, he could be a, a low key, a secret weapon, <laughs> I think, because he could have, you know, that impact off the bench for a team and really provide a spark off the bench for a team that's trying to win a championship a la the Brooklyn Nets. I would love to see him on the Brooklyn Nets. I feel like that would be the perfect matchup for him just because he doesn't have to do much on the offensive end. He just has to be that hustle defensive player that he is. So definitely would be. And he is 36 years old. He's going to be turning 37 in February. So he's not on the right side of uh, the NBA clock, but we'll see what happens. Another restricted free agent is Josh Hart. I think the Pelicans will match his offer uh, no matter what team offers him, uh, unless it's like a crazy amount. If it's like $15 million <laughs> plus a year, which I doubt he gets, um, I think uh, Josh Hart is going to remain with the Pelicans. But teams that I do feel would be good fits for him uh, if he the Pelicans don't match are the Grizzlies, the Thunder, and the Raptors. I think those three teams right there would be good fits for him especially the Grizzlies, a young team already that could use another young gun like Josh Hart. Kind of lost Grayson Allen. About. Yep, they lost Grayson Allen. And I feel like, to be honest, the the, the way that Josh Hart kind of plays already kind of mimics that. A guy can mm-hmm. shoot and defend. Great and grind. And yeah, yeah. So I feel like that, that would be a big-time fit for them if they were able to land him. Um, but, again, I think I agree with you. I, I don't think that the Pelicans are going to let him leave. <laughs> I think they're going to try they to match him. whatever whatever uh, offer he gets. So, I think Josh Hart is going to be a Pelican. Last but not least, we got J.J. Redick, a solid knockdown shooter. We know him to be, uh, like Paul Millsap, has ample playoff experience. He's going to be getting a veteran minimum. Uh, I feel like J.J. Redick has kind of just fallen off. And it's sad to see because I still think he has – something left in the tank and i think he can definitely help a team because he's a shooter uh so and I, I think plenty of teams need shooters we're seeing what teams are paying for shooters you saw the duncan robinson five years 90 million when obviously i would say duncan robinson has more to offer than jj reddick but you're getting a less version of duncan robinson for a veteran minimum so i can definitely see teams try to go out and get jj reddick and some of the teams i think would fit uh him well are the milwaukee bucks the Warriors, the Mavericks, if he goes back to the Mavericks, uh, the Bulls, and the Nets. The Bucks, I, I personally like because they lost Bryn Forbes, uh, which was a key guy off the bench who would just light it up, maybe not in the playoffs so much, or maybe you know the Brooklyn Nets or the Bulls. Because the Bulls, if you look at them, they don't really have a lot of knockdown shooters. No, they just have like a lot of guys who are scorers, but they don't have mm-hmm. a lot of shooting depth. So, um, yeah, but I think – if he was going to take a veteran minimum deal, I think he wants to go to a team that, where he feels like they'll definitely be in the mix for a championship. And so that's probably the Nets. That's probably Sixers, maybe. But I don't know if he wants to go back to that situation. I was going to say, I don't know. I don't think he liked <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about the Sixers as well, too. But I just feel like it was not a good match and with then, the Sixers. Uh, in the and league. then probably the Bucks. But I feel like it's going to probably be an Eastern Conference contending team more so than a Western Conference contending team. Because I feel like the East still has room enough to where like with the nets they they still have roster spots open and then uh the bucks i believe still have roster spots open for him to be able to get one but it's it's gonna be tough because he is just pretty much just a shooter at this point a guy who's just like you know standing in the corner type you know he still doesn't have he doesn't have that explosive explosiveness that he once had a little bit and I don't know how, like, he was never regarded as, like, the greatest defender, but, I mean, at this point in his career, I think it's tough for you to argue that J.J. Redick is a a, a serviceable defender, but... I wouldn't, say, I I wouldn't even still... say that. I would say he's a liability on defense. <laughs> yeah, so, so pretty much, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. But outside of seeing J.J. Redick get back in the league, one other guy I hope gets back in the league is IT. Like, mm. I don't know if you saw... Uh, 81 points 81 points man and like it wasn't just that it was the video afterwards after the game where man dude was you know uh, i'm so emotional like in tears man he was just like yo you know i put my whole my whole heart into this i put all, all my all into this like the dude literally went from being an mvp 
caliber player on top of the NBA to now out of the league. And it's just like, man, that's how quick it can happen in pro sports. And but it, you can be on top of the world at one point, and then next point, you'd be in obscurity. Absolutely. I think it just also goes to show how bad his hip injury really was. Because if he's hooping, like, I mean, given it's a pro-am, any, yeah. anybody could hoop like that. Like, if you're in the NBA People could hoop like that. We've seen like no name players in the NBA put up 37, 40 points in pro-ams. But yeah, Isaiah Thomas, I still, I personally still think he has a lot left in the tank um, on the offensive side of things. So, but yeah, definitely emotional and you got to feel for him. Even just given, seeing what he's given up and sacrifice um, to play basketball. I mean, I don't mean to bring up, you know, a dark point of his life, but like when his sister passed away, he was playing on that same day in the playoffs for that team when honestly in my opinion i i personally wouldn't have played in that game and i don't think a lot of players would have played in that game but it just shows his dedication and his love for the game so to see that you know you could say the nba has given up on him i really hope to see him in an nba jersey this upcoming season for a team and not just a 10-day contract i hope he gets like a season-long injury – I almost said injury. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Oh, my God. A season-long contract. Jesus. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I would love to see IT. I'm glad you brought him up. But that's going to wrap it up for this episode of The Nosebleeds, episode number 80. Damn, kind of crazy that we have this many episodes. But, uh, yeah, make sure you guys are following us on our social medias. If you aren't after 80 episodes, what are you doing? Come on now. <laughs> on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. On Instagram, the nosebleeds. And on Facebook, look up the nosebleeds podcast. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we're on those. Check us out um, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, Apple Podcasts, if you're on there, if you like what you heard, choose a five-star rating. It really helps us out. Write us a review if you're feeling generous. Corey, any last words? Man, uh, I'm really excited to see what happens this NFL season just because of the fact that this is going to be a 17-game season. And how many injuries are we going to see this year? I hope we don't see a whole lot, and I'm hoping that it's not crazy. So far, preseason has been, you know, not, 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 you know, in, like we've been star injury free so far as far as big names go. But I'm just hoping and praying that we get somewhat a good NFL season because extending off games and, you know, obviously with the whole mandates and stuff like that, like it's just going to be crazy. I think this is going to be a really crazy NFL season in terms of not just what happens on the field, but a whole lot of what happens off the field as well. So stay tuned for that. Absolutely. And we're going to be coming up with our predictions pretty soon in a few episodes of this upcoming NFL season. So stay tuned for that. And if you have your predictions as well, make sure you guys send those into us because we are always intrigued to hear what you guys have to say. Yes, sir. Just add us or DM us or whatever. And you could be featured on a show for sure. All right. But other than that, we'll catch y'all next time. Deuces. Deuces.